All right. <clears throat> Thanks, you guys. Good morning. You grab a Bible and uh, open it with me to Luke chapter 2. I'd appreciate that. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one out of the pew rack in front of you and follow along. And certainly, if you don't have a Bible at all, you can take that one and it's now your gift. Take home and have God's Word for you. Alistair mentioned that uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to have Christmas Eve service on a Sunday. It's on Sunday. And we'll have New Year's Eve service on a Sunday morning. So both of those services will be here in the sanctuary. There'll be no children's church. There will be nursery provided. But uh, both of those services also will be a family-friendly service, which means all the kids will be in here together. All the adults will be in here together. The sermon will look a little different. We'll have a children's corner time where the children get to come up. And we try to keep them uh, engaged during the service. It's not to be uh, a distraction, but just really have a really great family-friendly environment on those two days. So uh, note that. Um, also, just a reminder that the business meeting Q&A is uh, after this service in the fellowship hall. We'll probably give it about 10 minutes after the service closes to say hi and give a hug and a handshake. And if you if you have questions, you can go in there and uh, get those answered. Um, I'll be in there to answer questions. And then certainly feel free to hang out here if you don't have questions uh, and, and hang out with folks around uh, around church. We'd love for you to do that. Um, all right. So if, uh, if you're in your Bible, we're, we're continuing on here uh, in our Christmas series. And that Christmas series is the Songs of Christmas. Um, it, part of the, the theme, the goal, as we look through the Songs of Christmas, uh, I talked about three different things that sh- we should be kind of looking at and, and desiring to get uh, last week. Uh, those three things, that were, and it's the same theme or the same uh, goal every week. One, we want to we look at the words of a familiar song, and we want to understand the words. Right? We don't just want to sing a song because it's familiar to us. We we want to know what we're singing. It's probably pretty, pretty important to do that, right? I had a conversation with a couple people this week about music, right? And, and the, 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 the excuse is, oh, I just like the beat of that song. That's great. We like the beat of that song, right? But if you really listened or thought, or if you really thought about this, you would know that you have probably memorized the words to that song as well. And, if, and, and maybe, maybe if you printed the lyrics out to those, that song and just read them out loud to me, you may be even embarrassed about that. Right, some of the music that we listen to. The same is true, like these songs for Christmas, like you probably know the lyrics, but you don't even know what you're singing. And so we, we, we don't want to be ashamed of what we're singing. We want to be proud of what we're singing, and, and we want to be uh, in anticipation of what we're singing. So we, it's important for us to understand the words that we're singing. The second goal was uh, we want to use these songs as a, a window or a door to look into or to walk into uh, the redemptive narrative, narrative of Scripture to see the story of God's word come to life for us. Say, wow, this song that I'm singing is actually the word of God, right? And, and here's what I understand, because we, we go through this tension every single Christmas, right? I come up here December 1st, you walk in, you're like, oh my gosh, it's Christmas at church again. Why are we doing this so early? I'm still full of turkey, right? I, I get, and, and you're like, I don't, I don't want Christmas until just like a couple weeks before. Here's my challenge to you. I believe the anticipation of Christmas and the anticipation of, of coming, letting Christ come and, and rule and reign in our hearts, especially this season, should not be just a seasonal thing. It should be all year long. Now, I, I'm totally with you. The, the commercialization of Christmas, the, the fact that, you know, right about fall, we walk into a store and there's not a fall thing in there. It's all Christmas. It just drives me insane, right? Everyone wants to sell you something. Everyone wants to, to, to make you buy something. I, I resist that too. All of these holly jolly Christmas songs that, that really have nothing to do with Jesus, I don't want anything to do with that. But I do want 
to look forward to and, and, and anticipate Jesus more and more during this season. So my goal for you would be to resist those things as well, but the things of Christ that help us, help us see Christ and let him invade, to start that even earlier than you normally do and see it for what it is. So know what you're singing. Use it as a window to the redemptive narrative of, uh, narrative of God's story. And finally, we're going to take what we have seen and heard in the Scripture, and we ought to then lift it in response to God. We ought to lift it in response to God richly. Like it meant something. It impacted my heart. Like, like it stirred in me something deeply. And, and that not only richly, but reverently. Like, God, you are God, and I am not, and I am going to sing it from wherever I am. In fact, we'll see this kind of portrayed today as we uh, look at our narrative story of Scripture in Luke 2. We'll see this with the, um, the wise men. We'll see this with the shepherds. We'll see this with the angels. The way that they used song, the way that they understood the narrative story, the way that they responded richly and reverently to the Lord Jesus. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Last week, we looked at Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And, and it was one of those things that we said we're looking forward to it, right? That's the sermon title, looking forward to it. I had another conversation, great conversation this week about that. And, and they asked, well, if I'm looking forward to it, does that mean I can, like, I kind of just wait and, and eventually it happens? And I said, no, no, it's, it's a both and. Like, we don't waste our waiting, right? We're looking forward to it, but we don't waste the waiting. You think about those things that we look forward to, whether it's a, a, that family vacation. What, what do you do in the meantime, right? You get ready. You set money aside. You start to pack. You start to make sure that the list that you uh, have in your mind, that you have all those items. If not, you purchase them over time, and you get ready to go, right? Um, so maybe it's, it's a marathon. How, how many of you look forward to the, the, maybe the Siskiyou Food Assistance the run? How many of you have participated in that before? I'm, good, a couple of you, good, yeah. And, and, or how about a marathon? Anyone ever run a marathon before? I'm, I'm not going to raise my hand, but like, yeah, okay, a couple. Like, when you're looking forward to a marathon, I don't get it, but I get it, right? Do, do you just wait for the day to come? No, you like train hard and get ready for that marathon so you don't die on the day of the marathon, right? So that's part of the, the come now long expected Jesus. It's not like, one day it's going to come to fruition. Like, no, today I'm not going to waste my waiting. I'm going to let this be rich today, and, and, and I'm going to respond to him today, and it be reverent today. Today's song we're looking at is, What Child Is This? What Child Is This? And we're going to be answering that question. That's today's sermon title as well, What Child Is This? The song background, a little background for you. It was written by William Chatterton Dix in 1865. Uh, he, had, he had been overcome with a severe illness, and it was unexpected. It led, left him bedridden. Uh, he, was, he was burdened with some despair and depression, and, and they thought it might even claim his life at one point. But during that time, uh, he underwent a, a, a spiritual renewal of sorts, right? He, he went back to the scriptures and, and, and for hope and for joy. And as he read the scriptures in, the, in a significant time he spent there, uh, he, he began to pen um, a lot of different hymns, including this Christmas favorite. So it came out of this time of despair, looking forward to hope, which is an amazing thing. When, we, when we're at our worst and, and when, when everything looks like dreary around us and, and hopeless around us, there still is hope. And it comes in answering the question, what child is this? So I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to read uh, the Scripture story together, and then we'll break it apart, okay? Father in heaven, thank you for your, the opportunity you've given us to, to be here today, to look to your word, to, uh, to learn and to grow. God, to see you more clearly. God, to get to know you more deeply. God, I thank you for the opportunities we've had to worship you and to lift you up, and the ones we will later responsively, richly, reverently to worship you. God, I thank you for 
uh, missions highlights like the, the Siskiyou Food Assistance, God, looking at the ways that we support and serve and minister for your kingdom, God, even in our own neighborhood, not even, not even looking at the, the uttermost parts of the earth, but right here, up the street and around the corner. Thank you for letting us do that. God, we ask that you would be with us. We ask that your spirit would be here convicting us of sin, moving us to a place of obedience and repentant faith and faithfulness to you. And God, help, help our anticipation of Christmas, help our anticipation of, of all that it shows and tells about you be what rules and reigns in our hearts this season. And God, there's so much competing for our attention. There's so much materialism and, and God, commercialism, God, and, and things and stories and songs that don't matter. But God, help us to put in perspective what does matter and to focus on that. We trust you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I told you to turn to Luke 2. We actually are going to start in Matthew chapter 1. Keep your finger in Luke 2 and just flip back to Matthew 1 and we'll put this narrative all together. Matthew 1, and we'll look at, uh, start at verse 18 and go through 25. And then back to Luke 2, beginning in verse 1. You ready? The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by, uh, by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and she will give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. Let's go over to Luke 2. 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governor in, governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him, and, she was, pre uh, and, and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for uh, no room in the guest house for, available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message uh, they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things in her heart and meditated on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that were heard, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God. If you look at this today, we're looking at uh, the, answering the question, what child is this? We're going to be using uh, that song. We're going to put it up here on the screen here uh, in a moment, each, each verse, and kind of go through and, and again, learn what are we singing, right? What, what, is, it, what is it helping us peer into uh, as far as the, the scriptural narrative and the redemptive narrative? And then what should our response be to it, right? Uh, number one, what child is this? And by the way, you can take your notes out there uh, in, your, in your folder, and on the back side has the, uh, the song, uh, on the front side has the sermon notes area. You can take notes. Uh, what child is, is this? Number one, he is the Holy One of God. He is the Holy One of God. So you'll see on the screen behind me now, uh, we have the, uh, the verses to the song. Let's look at this, all right? Uh, here's what it says. It says, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch are keeping? Then we answer the question. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him laud, the babe, the son of Mary. Now, the first verse of the song, it's very, very uh, familiar, I think, to us. We would, oh yeah, I, I've sang that over and over. What does it say? What is it saying here? The question is, what child is this who's laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? So we have this baby that's born, and the question is, what, who is this? And whom angels are greeting with anthem sweet, while shepherds watch are keeping. So there's shepherds involved, and there's angels involved. And, and we see the answer through Scripture, and the answer is, this is Christ the King. This is the Holy One of God. And shepherds guard, and, and angels sing. And it says, haste, haste to bring Him laud. And that, that word laud is praise. We bring Him, pra- hurry to bring Him praise that he's due, the babe, the son of Mary. So we're going to look at a couple of places here. What has been said about this child? Well, we saw in Matthew, in our account in Matthew chapter 1, that, that Joseph had considered divorcing Mary because she's pregnant, it's not with him. What's going on here, right? Well, the angel appeared to Joseph and answered this question, who is this child? And he says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is what? From the Holy Spirit. This is not some, some different human act. This is an act of God. What is in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is, this is what's been told now of Joseph. Who is this? This is the Holy One of God. This is Christ, the Messiah, the, the one who will save people from their sins. And all of this took place, it says, to to fulfill prophecy that the virgin would become pregnant and give birth to a son, and it would, and they name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So this is Christ the Messiah, the Savior, the one who dies for sins, who is actually God with us. It's amazing, isn't it? This is, this is what we're singing, by the way. This is what we're singing. These, 
these anthems from the angels, what the angels said, this is what they said. Before he was born even, the question had been answered that he is the Savior, he is God with us. So what, what did the angels say? Right? What did the angels say? Well, we're back to Luke 2 in verses 10 through 14. The angels said, it came to the shepherds, right, and said to them what? Don't be afraid, but look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Listen, if we come, if we come towards Christmas and you see like December coming around the corner in the calendar, you're like, I don't want to flip this. I don't want to go there. I'm not ready. Then it's not good news of great joy for you. Right? If it's good news of great joy, man, we should be like, I'm just going to pin my calendar at December. Jesus is on the way. I, I want to look forward to, and in, in, in anticipation, the advent, the coming of Christ, and all that that means. Look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior was born for you. He is Messiah the Lord. It's an amazing proclamation. Hey, take, there's a Savior. And they went on and said, suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, and they were praising God. What was this anthem? When we sing this song and we talk about uh, this is Christ the King, whom, whom shepherds guard and angels sing, what is this song? What's their response? The hosts of, host of heaven all appeared suddenly, right? And with the angel, they were, they were what? Praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Oh, they said, glory to God, how amazing he is. If you have found favor with God and, and, it is fa and God is favorable to you, you will have hope and you will have joy. All the hosts of heaven proclaimed that God's favor was born and it was good news of great joy for all people. Well, how about the shepherds? It says we're singing this song about the shepherds guarding. What's, what part of the narrative do we see here, this redemptive story? Well, the angels sing that and they, they just, I mean, they, they've shown up in the middle of the night, right, in the middle of this field and kind of interrupted their, probably their little nap they were taking and stargazing they were having happen, happen there. And this glory of God shone all around and, and said, hey, the Savior's born. What, well, what's, what's next for the shepherds? What happens here? How do they respond to these songs of Christmas? Well, the angels left them and returned to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, well, let's go straight to Bethlehem to see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. What did they say? We've got to go. Let's go. Leave the, leave the flocks. Let's go to Bethlehem. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. So now they're sharing what the angels had said. They're sharing the hope from the songs of the angels now to the to the uh, Mary and Joseph and, and those who were there. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up these things and pondering them and meditating on them. I, I think about this. You think about a song that comes on for Christmas. Maybe we ought to treat it more like a herald. Someone coming and saying, here's the message that we have heard about Jesus. And it should well up in us and amaze us about how great he is. I look forward to that. In fact, we go through in our family, we, we pick through our Spotify list and we, we make song lists that, that circle around and center around the story, the narrative story of Christ so we can be more in awe all year long. It went on though. Verse 20 of Luke 2. What happens after? The shepherds returned back to their fields, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. You see, they were practicing 
the same things that we're practicing today. Right? They, they had heard and understood the words of the angels, and so they left to go see, right? And they, and they peeked into the redemptive story in the manger and saw, saw the God of the universe who had come down to be Savior of the world. And what they do? They responded richly. To these songs of Christmas, they responded richly and reverently, praising God, and so should. Number two, what child is this? He is the Word made flesh. Let's go on to verse number two. <coughs> why lay, why, okay, this is going to be a fun one right here, right? Why lays he in such mean estate? where ox and ass are feeding. Good Christian fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. Nails, spear shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. An amazing verse to the song. It's a, it continues to push this redemptive narrative forward. And it's interesting, as you look at this song, uh, it, it's been changed over the years and twisted a little bit. And, and, and in our church, it, it's kind of been kind of those running jokes, right? Um, maybe, maybe not for you. Maybe you've just gone with it. But uh, whenever we sing this song, right, it says, uh, why lies he in such mean estate? So what, it's such a humble, lowly place. Why is it so lowly in this, in this feeding trough? where ox and ass are feeding. Uh, the, the running joke has always been, you can't, you can't say that in church. Right? You can't, well, that's not good to say. And so it's been changed over the years, and it's, it's ox and lamb now in some versions of it, so we don't have to say ass, which is what? It's a donkey. But I, there's a really important, I believe, reason for this. And if you would turn with me, keep your finger here in Luke 2, but turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1. When we look and answer the question, what child is this? And that he is the Word made flesh. He's in this lowly state. There is something that it beckons you and I to do. And we see this in Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to read verses 2 and 3 together. Listen, heavens, and pay attention. Good, good Christians fear. We sing good Christians fear, right? This is that, hey, listen up, straighten up. Here, listen, pay attention. So it says, listen, heavens, and pay attention, earth. The Lord has spoken. He says, I, raise, I have raised children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. They've rebelled against me. And then it goes on, it says, the ox, there's the ox, right? Knows its owner and the donkey its master's feeding trough. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. So I, when we sing those words, it, it needs to be clear that, that the ox and the ass, the donkey, they, they get it. They know exactly who the Lord Jesus is. They, they know. But you and I are a little bit dumb. You and I are a little bit resistant. The text says that, that his, his children were what? Rebellious. You know, there's a choice to be made. When we come and see the Lord Jesus, the Word made flesh in the form of a baby lying in a feeding trough, 
where ox and donkey know, we can say, ah, that's, that's cute, cuddly, whatever. No, we'll, I'll see you at Easter. Or we can say, that is God in the flesh, and I will not resist the Savior of the world, and I will not rebel against the Savior of the world. Where ox and donkey get it, I also will humble myself and believe. So when you sing those words, the plea is don't, don't be ignorant. Don't be foolish. Don't be rebellious against God. Don't resist Him, but instead believe. Treasure Him. The ox and donkey get it. So should we. Good Christians fear for sinners here. The silent word is pleading. You've got to know you're a sinner. You've got to know that He's the one pleading for you. That He came because you needed Him. That in the redemptive story, you and I are nothing except sinful and separated from God because of our sin. And that we are dead in our sin. But pay attention. You have a need for a Savior. And that Savior is the baby Jesus who grew and eventually died in your place. Our Matthew passage says, See, He will give birth to a son, and you're to give Him the name Jesus, because He will save His people from their sins. We have the need for that. You can rebel against that, say, I've got it, I can take care of it, I'm okay on my own. Or you can embrace the Savior who came for you. God came among us to offer His flesh as a sacrifice for our sins. He was born to die. Do you have ears to hear that? You know, I, I've said this many times during our Christmas season. Uh, there would be no Good Friday or Easter without Christmas. And, I, and I've, I've also added this, that, that the, the baby born was, was God humbling himself to the lowest degree he could possibly humble himself as a helpless human being. But in that helpless human being, fully God and fully man, he was stronger than the strongest one of us to accomplish anything that that is a huge rebuke to us. And in that rebuke, it's God's huge love saying, I, in this humble state, am small and seemingly insignificant. I am everything. I am the Savior of the world, and you ought to humble yourself before me. We see this in John chapter 1. The song goes on to say, The silent word is pleading. Nails, spear shall pierce him through. The cross he bore for me and you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh. The word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is talking about Jesus Christ later on in verse 9 in John 1. He says, true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Can you see it? Do you hear it? He was in the world, and although the world was created through him, yet, not, uh, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. How foolish. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were, not, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh but of the, or the will of man, but of the will of God. He's reaching out and says, you can be born again. You can be made new through the power of God's Savior, Jesus Christ, 
and the Spirit that can change us. What He is offering is His very life for you. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He came. He came to save, to offer Himself for us so that we could have life. He was born to die for you. He took your place. He took my place. The writer of Philippians, Paul, in chapter 2, writes this. He humbled himself, Jesus did, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He is God in the flesh who gave his life for yours. Number three. What child is this? He is the Lord to be enthroned in your heart. He is the Lord to be enthroned in your heart. So, so hopefully you've come to Him and you've seen Him as the Holy One of God and that you've bowed before Him like the ox and the donkey and said, yeah, He's it. He's the Word made flesh. And now I'm going to allow Him to rule and reign in my heart. Let's look at verse 3 of the song. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 3 says, So bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come peasant king to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Raise, raise the song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born. The babe, the son. Of Mary. Next week, we are going to be going over the song, We Three Kings, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there today. As on, we see it says, so bring him incense, gold, and myrrh, come peasant king to own him. But we saw this with the, with the wise men, right? And we'll see this more in detail next week. The wise men came from a country far, right? And they, they came and they brought gifts with them. And it says in Matthew 2, verse 11, entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And, and here's the response. Distant, foreign, Gentile rulers, lords, kings, rich people, whatever they were, here was their response. They fell to their knees and they worshipped him. They fell to their knees and they, this is what, this is peasant kings enthroning him means. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. These were gifts fit for a king. Gold rightly deserving of a king, riches that were rightly deserving of a king, frankincense, highly costly perfume given to this king, and incense to be burned for a king. It was special and unique. And myrrh, it was an embalming oil. This is foreshadowing Christ's ultimate death. That he would be embalmed with this myrrh. But they worshipped him. They gave him these gifts. Bring him incense, golden myrrh. Let come peasant king to own him. The king of king, king salvation brings. Here's what this is saying. What do these words mean? Whatever we have to offer him doesn't even compare with what the king of king, kings brings in his salvation. Amen? When he brings salvation, it is worth more than anything we could ever put together as a gift for him. But loving hearts enthrone him. That's what loving hearts do. They fall to their knees and they worship him. And then their response. Well, what do we do with Christmas songs or songs where we respond reverently and 
richly. Raise, raise a song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy for Christ is born, the babe, the son of Mary. I want to look at this last little bit of uh, Philippians 2, actually. It, it talks about the fact that because he humbled himself, that God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. That This is who he is, that, that we are to enthrone him. And one day, whether you enthrone him or not, you will bow before him. It's better now in our looking forward to it to enthrone him right now. Turn with me, if you would, the last passage of the day to Luke chapter 1. <coughs> it says, the virgin sings her lullaby. We're going to look at that together. We're going to look at what's called Mary's song. And, and this wasn't when Jesus was on her lap. Maybe she did. Maybe she sang it over and over. I'm guessing she did. But this was after she had gone to visit Elizabeth. And she came to Elizabeth. And remember Elizabeth. Uh, John the Baptist was inside Elizabeth and he leapt in her womb and, and Elizabeth's like, you have the Son of God in you, I know it. And Mary's like, wow, you understand, you get it. And then she sang this song. But I think this is a great lullaby because what it does is it puts God in his place in Mary's heart and it should in our heart as well. So what is the lullaby that she sings? What are we peering into in this redemptive narrative and how do we respond to it? Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 47. And Mary sang, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. And surely from now all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is holy. You see her exalting God. And look how great the Lord God is. She goes on in verse 50 and talks about, his mercy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. Right? Good Christians fear. For sinners here, the silent word is pleading. We, we sang that. There, there should be a reverent fear in our hearts towards him, and, and his mercy will come upon us. In verse 51, he has done a mighty deed with his arm, and he scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their heart. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones, he has exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Mighty deeds he has done. There's only one that can topple the mighty, and that is the King of Kings, salvation bringer. And for us, as we go through this, we should let loving hearts enthrone him. Our hearts should enthrone him and Elevate him to the rightful place that he is. And every Christmas song that is the proper Christmas song, a song that we understand the words and the words help us peer deeply and richly into the word of God and the redemptive story should help us respond eagerly, joyfully, triumphantly, and, and in so much thanksgiving to the one who is our Savior. What child is this? He's the Holy One of God who put on human flesh to die for you. He came to us in His mercy to satisfy and save. So let Him rule and reign in your heart today. Amen? Let's stand together and pray. We'll have our worship team come back up.
as we prepare to respond to God's Word, respond to the beauty of the redemptive story with rich, reverent worship of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your grace and Your mercy. Lord, we ask that as we have looked at this song and looked at the text of the, of the a redemptive narrative of, of, of the story of the gospel, that that would well up in us a satisfaction in you. God, help us see you for who you are. That you are the Holy One of God. You are the Word become flesh. You are the God who put on human flesh. And you offered that flesh as a sacrifice for our sins in our place. We embrace you, God, and, and help us to humble ourselves, God, and, and to know you reverently, God, as the, as the ox and donkey know you, we want to, to acknowledge you as well. We want to rebel against you. Help us lift you up in our hearts to rule and reign rightly and overflow with worship and praise because of who you are. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.